You have them, but they're not as uh, not as good as Aaron's. <laughs> I don't know. Mine aren't injured right now. Jose Altuve. Uh, 27 home runs for the Marlins. Golly. If you want to take somebody out, Robinson Cano is your man. All right, here we are. Fantasy Frenemy Tuesday night. You know, hey guys, this is... This this is our history lesson on Tuesday nights, and I, I always like doing the history lesson. You know, this this show is going to be about as exciting as my church league softball team was tonight. Okay, that's about how exciting it is. Let me give you a history lesson on our church league softball team, though. I won't do that. I'll say I'll spare you the details of that. But we did win convincingly. Let's just say my ERA was able to drop down from I don't know fourteen or fifteen all the way down to twelve tonight. Nice. This show, this show is going to be as good as the 1997 Seattle Mariner lineup. The Seattle Ooh. Mariner lineup had some big stars, big names in it that are Hall of Famers, no doubt, right? Uh, listen, the, at second base, we all know the name Joey Cora. I think Joey Cora stuck around in the league forever, right? They had at shortstop a young man named Alex Rodriguez. He had to be his first year in the league or something. He, he had to be... It's, it's he had close. to be a... He had to be a skinny fellow back then, okay? Uh, <laughs> Pre-J-Lo days, let's just say that, before he went big J-Lo on us. Batting third, Ken Griffey Jr., the kid, batting third. And I'm going to tell you, you guys weren't able to see it, but it was a sweet picture of Ken Griffey Jr. on there. with you know He had that stance after he hit a home run, and that's what it looked like. His, his right hand was followed through off the bat, and he was just watching that home run, and, and his front hand was out there. Oh, man. That guy had some swag at the plate. Uh, he had a beautiful swing. I mean, one of the best swings, natural, uh, lofted swings that you've ever seen. Oh, for a lefty, too. Edgar Martinez batted fourth. Jay Buhner, fifth. Paul Sorrento. He's been on a couple of lists whenever I look at the 50 best uh, um, offensive lists or offensive teams. He was actually on a couple of lists because he hung around the Yankees a lot, it seemed like. Russ Davis, Dan Wilson, Jose Cruz. Was in left field and batted there. The 300 batters. Listen, Mar- Edgar Martinez batted 330. Ken Griffey batted 304 that year. Rodriguez batted 300, and so did Cora. But listen to the rest of Griffey's numbers. Griffey had so he batted 304. He had 56 home runs and 147 RBIs. <laughs> Could you imagine? Because Griffey was just a young man right then, and you know that was still when baseball was pretty popular. And Griffey showed up on the scene, and then he's hitting 56 home runs. Well, you got to remember, for the longest time, Ken Griffey Jr. was the person that we, everybody thought was going to break the home run record. Yeah. Or, or even you know, either single season or career, because he was hitting home runs so easily. He had the best swing in the world, and you know he gets. He gets hurt, he gets traded, everything falls apart, kind of sucked. In the steroid era, his name never came up as being someone who was a part of that era. You know, he kind of did it. He was all natural. Maybe that's how we could say it. He was and all could, natural. Could you imagine if his name was had come up on, on that? Okay, I mean, yeah, that would have been, been heartbreaking. <laughs> you already, I mean, I already know people who pretty much lost faith in baseball and kind of Stop watching baseball or paying attention to it after hearing about you know uh, some of the other big names that have that have been on that list and 
so if if he had been on there because he was, I mean, if not, he was the biggest player of his time. He was, you know, he was a childhood hero, is what he was. And I think as you watch wrestling, you know, even as a kid, you know, wrestling's kind of fake, right? You kind of know they're fake, and yeah, they're they're hero, but they're bigger than life heroes, and and so it doesn't really disappoint you. And so I think when you watch Sosa and you watch McGuire and, and different people like that, you're kind of like, okay, this is kind of fake. You know, it's not really real. It's kind of like wrestling. But when you saw Griffey and you just saw how he did things, it just looked different than those other guys. It looked like it was, like I said, all natural. He was joined, and Griffey was joined in that lineup with a whole bunch of batters. Listen to this, though. The team set a record with 264 home runs as every starter Every starter in their lineup had double digits in home runs that year. That's pretty cool. That's a, that's a pretty cool team. That 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 would had to be a nightmare as a pitcher. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, only thing is, is I'm looking at all the home runs and stuff, but they only won 90 games. Yeah. And where was where was the pitching staff? And they lost know... in the ALDS. Yeah. To the Orioles. <laughs> The high times of life for the Orioles. They they beat that Mariner team. All right, so let's look at some uh, news and notes real quick. Tuesday's game between the Royals and Cardinals was postponed due to inclement weather. I don't think it was raining there, but I think it was going to have severe storms. Bobby, you're our uh, amateur meteorologist. Is that what happened? Oh, yeah. It, it happened about 6 to 6.30. They had a couple tornado warnings go uh, right over the city. One... A uh, funnel cloud went right over downtown, and uh, they made a good good call to to shut it down tonight. Definitely. Giancarlo Stanton, he'll begin a minor, minor league rehab assignment. He started that last night. I think he hit a home run last night, actually, in his, in his first game back. So that's good news for Stanton owners. White Sox activated Eloy Jimenez from the 10-day injured list. Eloy Jimenez actually is going to make my list a little bit later. In the show, we're going to talk about people who I know as an owner, I struggle with dropping people. When should I drop them? If I should drop them? And Eloy Jimenez, I'd like to talk about him in that should I drop list. Aaron Judge did some running and some throwing on Monday, which is always good for a baseball player, I think. He, he's got an oblique injury. That's how it's listed, an oblique injury. I don't even know if I have obliques. You don't. They're, they got to be somewhere in there, right? You have them, but they're not as uh, not as good as Aaron's. <laughs> I don't know. Mine aren't injured right now. Jose Altuve, <laughs> uh, with a hamstring injury, took batting practice Monday. Guys, I don't know. If I was a Jose Altuve owner, I would still just be nervous. Anytime a hamstring injury comes up with a speedy little guy like that, I, it makes me nervous. He has lost some power this year. It may all stem from that. If I was a Jose Altuve owner, uh, once again, we may talk about him a little bit later in the show, but just hamstring injuries scare me with that. Elvis Andreas, he'll begin a minor league rehab assignment. Dodgers left-hander Julio Urias has been reinstated from administrative leave. Tim, uh, you went out and grabbed him. What made, what made you go get him? Well, you look at the Dodgers right now. They have uh, Maeda on the DL, so they need another starter. And before the incident with the domestic violence ish, you know, thing. Uh, he was pitching pretty well, so he, he was kind of get starting to get hot. And even even when he would come in and, re, and be a reliever for him, he was looking pretty good. So if he comes in and takes a starting role, or even if they put him back as a reliever, 
you knew I was eyeballing them. I admitted in a show that I was eyeballing them. You know what I think is going to be really hard to do this year for us, for any of us that's on this show, and we kind of give our strategies out a little bit? It's going to be hard for us to win our league, man. If people are actually listening to the show, they can they can tweak it. They can figure out things that I'm doing. They can figure out our thoughts and our, our expectations. That's why I had to go rogue and not have any starting pitchers just to blow y'all's mind. <laughs> Javier that, Baez. Yeah, that's why, yeah. Javier Baez is not in the Cubs starting lineup Monday night. I don't think he was in the lineup uh, tonight. I think he's going to be back in there maybe on Wednesday. So hopefully Javier Baez can get back in there. Chris Davis. Chris Davis, man, that hip is just messing him up. He had to leave tonight's game early. He wasn't in the lineup on Monday night. He had to leave tonight's game early. He missed Saturday. He's he's bound for a DL spot is what he's bound for. Yeah, he is on the DL. They just, they just like a little bit before the show, uh, they announced that he was going to be on the deal. So, in other words, Chris Davis is for sale, <laughs> is what Chris Davis is. Astros manager confirmed that George Springer will be held out of Tuesday's lineup, and he hasn't really played much since tweaking his back on Sunday afternoon. He he, he messed up right there. They say he's going to avoid the DL, but we shall see. Uh, speaking of DLs, Mariners placed D. Gordon on the 10-day injured list with a right-hand contusion. That, that's not good. He's been trying to heal from it a little bit. I wish they would have just went ahead and put him on there. But if D. Gordon has got a wrist injury, that wrist is very important in batting, and, and he kind of slaps at the ball. He's not a real big driver or a power hitter. I don't know what he's going to be relegated to, but keep an eye on that if you're a D. Gordon owner. J.D. Martinez missed the second game in a row. They say it's due to an illness. J.D. Martinez is always a wild card, though. We shall see what happens with that. Here's another guy, one of my guys. Uh, Simmons with the Angels, a shortstop. He's been put on the 10-day injured list with a grade 3 ankle sprain. He's going to actually miss multiple months with this one, not just a, a little slight ankle sprain. So he was always good for a good batting average. Uh, Bobby Braves acquired Anthony Swarzak from the Mariners to kind of solidify their bullpen. What do you think about that pickup? I, I like it. Yeah, it's not a big name. It's not a closer name. They kind of need, even though Luke Jackson's come along and uh, – Luke Jackson's come along, and Sean Newcomb has stepped up uh, in the uh, short relief. He's got some. He's got some upside as a long reliever. His his numbers don't jump out at you at all. Uh, <laughs> I just don't see how you can be excited for a guy, a reliever who's got an ERA of five two seven. <laughs> now, granted, yeah, they did. If they if they, if the whole point of this trade was to open up a spot for like Kimbrel or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then great, but like we've talked about before, are the Braves going to spend the money on Kimbrel even even with doing this? So it's interesting. Very much so, but you also got to remember that the guys that they traded to Seattle nothing. have they get. I mean, they gave up nothing for him. I mean, they they, they gave up uh, uh, Jesse Biddle, who's probably got the same ERA as Swarzak. Yeah, and yeah. a. Always injured Vizcaino. Who's on the DL60 right now. Yeah, he's out for the season. Yeah, I, you know, somebody asked me tonight what I thought about that. that hey, they got Swarzak. I said, well, you know, that's 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 not a big deal. They Then they asked me if they thought that the Braves were going to get Bumgarner, because I guess that's a rumor that's going around out there. And I, I told them I don't think that they would. I think the Braves pitching staff is pretty good in the front side of things. You know, their starters aren't terrible. Uh, but their bullpen is what needs solidifying more than anything else. So uh, I'm glad they're trying to make efforts at that, and I do think they're going to try to make a run at Kimbrel. Mike Miner struck out 11 hitters, 
and allowed two runs over six frames in a victory over the Mariners on Monday night. I put this in there because I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm looking at the pitchers nowadays, maybe things are starting to balance out a little bit more. Is pitching catching up to hitting, or is that just me? Not for me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to take this with a grain of salt. Mike Miner got 11 strikeouts versus the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners, the Mariners strike out all day, every day. Yeah, they may hit a home run or four when they're not striking out, and win a game. Their bats are not very friendly, unless you're an opposing pitcher. Great point, Brandon Rogers, uh, the Colorado shortstop that was called up when Trevor Story ran into somebody or something. He was on the bench again on Tuesday night, and we talked just last week about these exciting rookies. Uh, Nicky Lopez, Brandon Rogers, Oscar Mercado, and and now Austin Riley. I think that those four have been mentioned a lot. Uh, if you guys could pick one, who would you pick now, this week, a week later, out of those four? You got to go with Austin Riley right now. I think that kid, since he's come up, he's been tearing it up. And I'll tell you who I who is not on this list, but I've got to talk about him as far as rookies go. And he's, he's not a rookie that you will find probably on the waiver wire because he's been awesome this year. But it's an interesting stat I saw today. Pete Alonzo. You know what he did He did for the Mets today? Hit a 16th homer, which set the team record for most home runs by a rookie before the All-Star break. And you know how much longer we have till the All-Star break? <laughs> we have another month till the All-Star break. So, month and a half. And, yeah. So we talked about Pete Alonzo maybe a few episodes ago, and I think I said, like, you know, he's he's a guy that don't think is going to keep up what he's doing right now. So far, he's proven me wrong. <laughs> you probably would try to make a trade for him. That's why you said it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. How about you, Mark? Who, where, where do you rank these guys, Mark? Who would you, who would you take out of all of them? Nicky Lopez, I, Brendan Rodgers, Oscar Mercado, and Austin Riley. I'd take Austin Riley, Nicky Lopez, Brendan Rodgers, and then Oscar Mercado. You fall fall right in line with that, Bobby? Uh, I may switch uh, Mercado with Rodgers because they can be interchanged. It's the same thing. They're, they get called up after being hot bats in the minors and hot you know, base stealers. They, they get brought up and they don't do what they were doing. Uh, you don't put them in the lineup. You don't let them steal bases. That's what they've done. That's the reason you called them up. Why are you not letting them do that? Why are you not letting them play? I dropped Rodgers today because he's not playing. Yeah, but that's that's what Colorado does, though. They did that. I can't remember exactly who it was last year, but they did the same thing with the young talent. They just bounced them around up and down, up and down, and they never gave them a real chance to put their feet in the ground whenever they got to the majors. I'm not sure their philosophy What about Willie Calhoun mixed in with all that? I know he's not a rookie this year, but he spent a short time in the majors last year, and, and he's gotten a call back up this this year, and this week he's hit a couple of home runs uh, over the last seven days. Where do you throw Willie Calhoun in that mix? Just below Austin Riley before Nicky Lopez? I would say so. And I would also like to throw in a, a Keston Hiera. Um, he's, been, uh, he's been playing. Uh, that's a good thing. He's been one of my pickups, and he's been hitting. He hasn't gotten a stolen base yet. He's been doing. Uh, he was doing well in the uh, in Triple A leagues. He's filled up stat sheets all the way through the minor leagues, and uh, now he's getting called up. He's 
when he gets a hit in the game, he usually gets two. So I would throw him either second or third in that list. I'm really curious as to what the Brewers are going to do. You know, Travis Shaw has been very disappointing this year, and he's on the, uh, I think he's in a minor minor league rehab assignment right now. And when he gets called back up, because it's going to be hard to keep a veteran like that with Travis Shaw, who's hit over 30 home runs the last couple of years, it's going to be hard to keep him down in the minors. They're going to have to bring him back up. And then I'm curious as to what they're going to do with that. I think with Milwaukee's philosophy, somebody will go on the DL. I think they, they take like a Dodgers pitchers approach. Somebody's just going to tweak something and they're going to give somebody a little bit of a break. So I think he's going to have some safe playing time in Milwaukee in the future. Let's look at the MLB standings, guys. The Yankees have overtaken the Rays after this weekend series. The Yankees are in first place by one game over Tampa Bay. Boston is four and a half games back. They're still in the mix of things, but they 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 dropped, I think, a game and a half last week, if I'm not mistaken. Toronto's down to ten and a half games back, and Baltimore has dropped all the way down to 14 and a half games back right now. Minnesota on top of the AL Central, five and a half games over Cleveland. Minnesota's starting to starting to put some space in between everybody. The White Sox have fallen down to nine and a half games back. Detroit eleven and a half in Kansas City, all the way down to fifteen games back right now. AL West, Houston is starting to get a big lead now. Texas eight and a half games back. Oakland is nine games back. Angels are nine and a half games back, and Seattle is ten. So still a, a close division in second for for second place. But man, Houston is 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 scoring some runs. That yeah, division's see, Houston's going to run away with that. Yeah. Look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia's sitting on top of the NL East by two and a half games over Atlanta. The Mets are six and a half games back. Washington down to nine games back in Miami, 13 and a half games back right now. They done. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they're, they're, they're on a four game win streak. All right. Are they, <laughs> are they playing for last place to get a better draft pick? I don't know with that four game win streak. <laughs> <laughs> They're just about the hottest team in baseball right now. Yeah. <laughs> the Chicago Cubs are sitting on top of the NL Central by one game over Milwaukee. Pittsburgh's only two and a half games back. St. Louis is four games back, and Cincinnati is just seven games back. That's probably the most surprising thing when I look at this list, that Cincinnati is not further behind than what they are. They've been playing well. Been playing well here lately. Six last, winners of six last, out of their last ten games. Mm-hmm. They and, still uh, have that plus 24 for run differential, too. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. That run differential is still really good. Uh, they got some really good pitching. Yeah. And that will always keep them keep them close. Because their run scored is only, that, that's only 189, which is not very high. I see a lot of 200s for run scored per team on here. So they with only 165 runs given up, that is a tremendous Tremendous run differential in a very positive way. Yeah, if you look at their expected win-loss record, it's supposed to, they're supposed to be in second behind the Cubs. So they've just been unlucky, it sounds like. Uh, they've had a lot of young guys that started for them, so maybe they're finding their groove a little bit. It was probably that Derek Dietrich, old time, oh, that, that old-time day, whenever he had his shirt halfway buttoned down, that's probably what, what turned the season around for him. <laughs> NL West. Got the Dodgers sitting on top by six games, starting to expand their lead. San Diego at seven, Colorado nine and a half, and San Francisco ten games back. When we look at the team stats for the major leagues, you still got Seattle sitting up there with 267. The Twins are 265, which that that one they've come up a lot. I, I know that the uh, 
Houston Astros were in second place last week, but now we got Minnesota, Texas, and then Houston. So got a couple of new names on the leaderboard. Miami, of course, sitting at the bottom of that list. With home runs, you still, if you want a home run, look for a Mariner, look for an Astro, a Twin, a Brewer, a Dodger. Marlins, Tigers, Pirates, and Giants on the bottom of that list. 27 home runs for the Marlins. Golly. And then you look at Seattle, who has 92. On top of the runs, if you if you need some runs scored, always look at the Mariners. Mariners are the hottest, the hottest offense in baseball. The Padres are number two in runs scored as a major league team with uh, 472. Brewers, Nationals, which is funny because you look at the Nationals and what they are, 10 games back, I think I just said a second ago, but yet they've scored the fourth highest amount of runs. And usually we always associate the Nationals with a great pitching staff, but something right now just isn't right with that. At the bottom of the list, as far as teams that strike out a lot, if you're looking for K's and you're going up against the Angels, you can just have a wish sandwich because you're not going to get a lot of strikeouts. They have 289 strikeouts. While like the Mariners are leading the league in strikeouts as a team, they have 490. So that's uh, almost a 200 differential there. Astros, Twins, and Red Sox don't swing a miss very often. All right, guys, so we, we created this uh, podcast for our career minor leaguer league and our standings for the career minor leaguers right now as it sits. Lost Puppies is still on top. I think this is his third week in a row he's on top. Mm-hmm. And there's a little quiet mouth. A little quiet <laughs> mouse is at second place with only two games back. I wonder who that is. Uh, we all know who that is. Tim, yeah, it's going to change for him this week. In theory, in theory. Uh, Tim, <laughs> you, you and I are playing each other, so the second place and the third place team are playing each other. You're uh, in third place, just one game behind me, three games behind the leader. we got Mookie Monster moving up them boards, four and a half games back. Carrie's down at seven. Bobby, you're at seven games back, tied with Carrie this week. Jordan is at seven and a half games back. Uh, Mark, you're there at eight, and uh, Trout's Milkshake's at nine. And Brandon, it, Brandon, Brandon's got to get a victory at some point, does he not? And and he sets his roster and everything like that. He's, <laughs> I wish I could talk to Brandon about it a little bit more, just because I could. Just, I, I know Brandon would get frustrated pretty easily with all that. See, this is where he would probably go back and argue that this is a game of luck and not skill, because <laughs> he probably spends a lot of time and. He's not getting the returns that he needs. All right, so we have got uh, some tough decisions to make. As a fantasy owner, there are times when you are just faced with a decision of what to do with a player. Sometimes you have invested a lot of uh, draft pick, you know, a high draft pick in them, and you're not sure what to do with them. Or maybe you got picked them up in a trade, and you kind of gave a little bit too much in your mind now. So now you're invested in them. At what point do you cut a player? And we've got a list of players that we think people will be wrestling with. For example, and I, I didn't wrestle too hard with this one. He's been on the, the chopping block, if you would, last couple of weeks. Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton was, was somebody that I was thinking about dropping. But, you know, Billy Hamilton is Billy Hamilton. You pick him up and you draft him for one reason. And I thought I got him in a pretty good spot in the draft towards the later rounds, looking for steals. And he was going to be the last 30 steal guy on the board, right? And that's Billy Hamilton. Well, Billy Hamilton's hitting around 230, and that's been coming up over the last couple of weeks. He switched teams in Kansas City, and now they got Nicky Lopez, and Nicky Lopez is batting second. And that means he's playing second base as well, which moved Whit Merrifield to the outfield, which is a position that Billy Hamilton kind of played out there. 
And ever since Billy Hamilton got injured, Billy Hamilton hasn't been playing every day like he was at the beginning of the year. So I was wrestling with this decision on what to do with Billy Hamilton as I like Billy and I wanted the steals. But guys, I, I had to drop him. I just I had to drop him. Clint Frazier's catching on fire. He's 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 have a good schedule this week. And so I picked up Clint Frazier one day too late, but I've been thinking about it. But I picked him up tonight. I, I dropped Billy Hamilton. But that was a tough decision for me to make. Uh, there's a couple more tough decisions. And, and Bobby, you got a couple that you said you wanted to cover tonight. Some of them are not necessarily what I've struggled with, but I can I, I know the struggle with with injuries. I started the season with a ton, a ton of uh, DL guys. And that's always a hard, hard decision when you have multiple guys and you need somebody to help your team and you have to cut somebody. But right now, Jose Ramirez is the one that jumps out to me. He's on my team currently. Um, He's usually in my starting lineup because I need I need him to get me at least a few steals a week. And he does that. Uh, I know he was cut and I picked him up off the waiver wire. Uh, I understand that, you know, you don't want somebody batting 199 in your starting lineup. And especially somebody who not, you know, just last year hit 30 home runs and an all-star even talks of MVP because not only did he hit home runs, he had a, a lot of good RBIs and runs categories. Well, the big difference between Billy Hamilton and him right now is that you have hope for Jose Ramirez, because every once in a while he'll give you that home run. They're both going to probably steal, oh, yeah. I would imagine, the same amount of bases. And unfortunately, for Jose Ramirez owners, it looks like he's going to hit about as much as Billy Hamilton does, but you still have hope with Jose Ramirez that he's going to turn some things around. And mm-hmm. like I said, that nine home runs that he, that he I don't know, it, it, he's going to hit about nine home runs this year, it looks like, uh, maybe 12, but that's a huge difference between him and Billy Hamilton. And, and Billy ha- Hamilton has never hit. No, he's never hit. No, and if, if he's he, not, if Billy Hamilton's not in the lineup, like he hasn't been over the last couple of weeks, and he's not stealing bases, he you have no reason to hope for right. Billy Hamilton to turn things around. If Billy Hamilton hit two fifty, he may he may have been the the next Ricky Henderson. Because hmm. if he had any sort of batting eye, he would have been. Great, because he's he he's speedy as I'll get out, and I, I honestly don't see how he's on a major league roster. <laughs> what about you, Mark? Who'd you have? Robinson Cano. He so he's a big name. He's getting old though, and he he's just a tough drop for me. I finally got rid of him. In the last six games since May eight, he's he's batted zero six times, and since that time he's batted he's played in probably about. 10 games and only produced four runs, two RBIs. So he, he was just a tough drop for me, but it needed to be done. Really, I mean, he's 69% owned in Yahoo Leagues. It's just one of those names that you know has produced in the past, but his time has come and gone, it seems. He's ranked 710. His average this year is 250, three home runs and 13 RBIs. So it's a tough drop, but I think it was a good one. Robinson Cano, though, he's our hammer. He's our, If you want to take somebody out, Robinson Cano is your man. Tim, you got anybody who you uh, had looked at as far as, I don't know, Yahoo list or anything that you would just think owners are are struggling with? Got one of my own here, Derek Dietrich. Oh, our guy. Since that trade that you and I did, 
he hasn't uh, really performed like he was performing for you. That's a really last... big surprise to me, by the way. <laughs> it's it's Narrator, not for me. It was not. No, it was not a surprise. <laughs> last two weeks, he is uh, 5 for 26, which is a 192 average with four runs, two home runs, and four RBIs. So he's a guy that I've been looking to see who I can replace him with on the waiver wire. So you could see him show up on the waiver wire here in the next day or so. But probably the biggest name who I think is on this should I drop list is Bryce Harper. Mm. Look at his... So, yeah, he's got nine home runs, but he also has 63 strikeouts, which is tied for most in the majors. And, and Not, he's tied with Joey Gallo, who Joey Gallo, I think he just hit a home run tonight. But so Joey Gallo like got 14 like, home runs. Yeah, 14, 15 home runs or something like that. And Gallo's got a pretty good average from what I've seen. Yes. Uh, and Gallo Harper, is not getting paid $300 million. Exactly. <laughs> Not yet. Then, He's worth four hundred million now. And Harper's batting two twenty nine. The last month, <laughs> the last month he's batting one eighty one. Um, it's this is if if you're a Phillies fan, I mean you've got to be like super upset about this. Uh, you 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 get a guy, you pay all this money for a guy. I, I'm just glad the Dodgers didn't touch him. There's all this talk about the Dodgers trying to get him, and I'm just glad that they didn't spend all that money on him, and he's performing like this. I don't know what he what he's got going on in his head, because even last year he was underwhelming. But um, I think you said his contact rate this year is at 62%. Yeah, so contact rate 62%, which is really well, low if you're a... I think it's You're down gonna, from last year. Last year was 69 percent, and yeah. in 2017 it was even up in the 70s, 74 percent. I think it was in 2017. So we can just see uh, that that kind of falling down. And like you said, if you're swinging that hard and you're not making good contact, that can just lead into into disaster. How about a pitcher, Bobby? You got a pitcher who you're struggling with, or who you think owners would be struggling with? Well, um, Tyler Glasnow is is somebody oh. who. Um, yeah, he he just he's he's gotten hurt. You know, it goes back to what we uh, talked about with some other players. You know, what do you do? What do you do with these these guys? If I have four DL players, do I drop? Who do I drop? And he's going to be out for for a few more weeks now. So that's that's tough. And to me, and I know Wes, this this uh, has hurt you this season. Any closer, any closer <laughs> that you've had. Over the uh, over the season so far, who hasn't panned out? When do you drop him? Mm. Do do you just wait until he loses the uh, spot when he's demoted, or when he gets dropped from the closer spot by the coach? And, and also, you know, for for me, I always hate dropping my my favorite streaming pitchers. You know, all all these guys who you pick up for uh, specific reasons, whether it's matchup or uh, he's got he's he's hot. You you love him, but you don't necessarily want to keep him the whole time. But you don't want other people to have him. Yeah. So what do you do with that? I think with a closer, what you got to do is you got to get married to him. You gotta you gotta support him through the highs and the lows. 
at some point, though, you know, there, there's, there comes a point in time where they separate the relationship, and there's nothing more that you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jose Leclerc gets dropped out of the closer role, and he's now flirting with being a starting pitcher, or he's flirting with being a middle reliever, look, man, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna marry somebody, and then they start flirting around at a different position, they're, they're done. I'm done with them. All right. <laughs> Mark, do you have anybody else who you were struggling with? I know you and I have bounced some ideas ideas around. I've had several people I struggled to drop, but what I want to talk about is is more strategy and mindset. So we talked about Glass now, and we have to think about, or every fantasy player has to think about what kind of league they're in. So we're in a head-to-head league, right? So we need points now because what we do now will affect whether we get to where we want to be at the end of the season, which is the playoffs and the championship. So while it is nice to stash away players, if you don't have space on your roster and you're giving up points to hold a player that doesn't produce any, that could be a bad choice. So I had glass now and I dropped him. Mookie monster picked him, picked him up. Um, we'll see if he holds on to him until he comes back or he doesn't. But the other thing is, so we have to, as players take out the emotion from our choices and just look at the facts. It's really hard to drop a player that you drafted or just somebody that you know, like a big name like Bryce Harper. You know, he they spent $300 million on him. So that's something I've been focusing on, just emotionless player picking based on stats and then knowing that, you know, your league is one based on the waiver wire pickups. So if you're not willing to drop those players that you know aren't working, um, you're not going to get those wins and you're not going to get the championship. I think it's, I think when you say emotions and separating yourself from things, a player you pick up that was really hot at some point, like Christian Walker, the first baseman for Arizona. Listen, Christian Walker, the first month of the year, was just crushing the ball. I don't know what his batting average was the first month of the year, but right now Christian Walker is batting two sixty eight. I know he was batting over three hundred for a long time. He's got 24 runs, 8 home runs, and uh, 18 RBIs. I bet you that... He got those within the first month of the season. And now over the last over the last two weeks, Christian Walker is batting 163, one home run, four runs scored, and two RBIs. What a what a huge fall, a downturn it has been. And you keep wanting that guy to turn around, but at some point, especially if you're talking about first baseman, there's a lot of good first basemen out there. And it's hard to separate yourself from somebody who endeared to themselves to you early in the year. But but like in a Christian Walker situation, I think you could find, I bet you could find what three or four better first basemen out there that are that are hot right now. Mitch Moreland, for example, Mitch Moreland's a first baseman for Boston. I know he's got over 30 RBIs. The dude has 13 home runs, and he's he's close to a, at least a 250 hitter, right? So just looking at somebody like that, Mitch Moreland is is available on a lot of leagues, and he might be a name to be able to kick around if you're interested in a good first baseman. Speaking of first baseman, I really struggle with dropping Jay Bruce. Big old Jay Bruce. Terrible mm-hmm. fielder. He's made a lot of errors this year, but he rocketed to the top of the list with 12 home runs. At one point, he was leading the league. When the Mariners were hot, uh, they since plummeted to the ground in terms of production and, and everything like that. But his playing time has gone way down. His numbers are terrible. He's batting in the 180s. So that was one of those non-emotional decisions. I'm like, okay, I just got to get rid of him. Speaking of first baseman, you got Cody Bellinger at a good place in the draft. I think you got him in the middle rounds anyway of the draft, Tim. My my fifth pick. 
fifth pick, and and he is uh, probably number one. He might be right behind Christian Yelich now. I think Christian Yelich has got a couple more stolen bases than him, but they're neck and neck. But Bellinger has the possibility of hitting 400 this year? Yeah, there was a nice little article written about him today on whether he is going to keep this 400 average and will we see it would be the first time that uh, any somebody's hit for 400. Uh, there's a it's a big name out there, Bobby. You've talked about this guy before. One of your favorite players. Which one is it? Uh, Ted Williams or Tony Gwynn? Ted Williams. So he'd be the first player to hit for 400 since Ted Williams in I think 1941. Hmm. And so most baseball fans today have never seen this happen before. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what's going to break some records in the future. I don't know, Mark, you kind of brought this up to play and we only have a couple of minutes to discuss this, but you brought up an article that, that there were going to be robotic umpires behind home plate in some minor league games. I don't know. Did you read the whole article? Am I getting the gist of this? All right. So the Atlantic league is going to initiate robotic umpires this year and they're going to phase them in over a couple of weeks but they're going to be looking for how accurate they are, how consistent the system's going to be. And what it's going to do is get, basically, I think it's going to be a light system. It's going to probably give a red a red light or a green light to the umpire, and it's going to whisper in his ear and say, strike or ball. I, I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know how many sensors they're going to have. Okay, so this is, what I, this is why I think that he's not going to be the only 400 hitter, Tim, possibly ever. I think that there's going to be records broken from an offensive side of the ball. If robot umpires, which have been talked about several times over the last couple of years, robot umpires end up being in the league to call balls and strikes anyway. They're never going to take the human element out of the umpiring position. I hope they don't because I personally like umpires. I, I like to endear myself to the softball pitching umpires just, you know, just in case I can get a couple more strikes called for me or something. But over the last couple of years in softball, they have implemented where you have home plate, of course, but then you have a big map behind it. Just an orange mat, which helps you know where to throw the ball a little bit, but it's no longer a judgment call. If it hits home plate or hits the mat, it's a strike. No questions about it. If it misses it, it's a ball. So now the umpires just have to tell the difference between if it's too high or too low if you're pitching an illegal pitch. But what that's done to me as a pitcher I no longer can get the people to chase bad pitches that look like a strike but don't end up being a strike because now they just wait for it. And if if it's a strike, they know it's a lot they 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 know that it's going to be a strike. If it's a ball, they know it's going to be a ball. There's no more fooling the batters and this is in slow pitch softball. I think um that I could safely say that major league baseball players have got a better eye than slow pitch softball players. And they will be able to differentiate between a ball and a strike a lot easier whenever there is no guessing, no interpretation of the strike zone made by an umpire. And I and what I've seen in, in softball is that the offensive numbers have gone up. And me as a pitcher, I feel helpless out there. I feel like all I can do is just toss the ball up there and hope for the best. I think that that's what's going to end up happening with Major League Baseball pitchers. The ones that can't make you swing a miss. Oh, they're going to be fed to the wolves, man. Yeah, I think there's so much to talk about here, and it's going to be fascinating. So one of the points of the article I read was, you know, how can they adjust the strike zone for each batter? 
because physiques vary widely from player to player. So what they're going to do is they're going to measure how tall everyone is, and they're going to start measuring from knee to shoulder height, and they're going to literally have every single player listed in their system and use algorithms to adjust it from player to player. And those players are going to learn exactly what those strike pitches look like more so than they can now. So I, I do agree. And, and the one thing I'll say is that the only thing constant in this world is change. So if you don't think that the robot umpires are coming and that they'll stay, I would say you're wrong. Robot umpires are going to come in in the next couple of years. This article says, you know, 2021 is when the collective bargaining agreement expires. So it's more likely to come into effect after that. But they're going to do the testing in the next three years. And then it's going to happen before you know it. I will say this about the way they have it set up is how many how many hitters are going to change their batting stances to make themselves shorter when they're measured to to a certain height uh, is is that a way they're going to be able to get around some things like like Mark said there's there's so many so many things that you're going to have to work out to make sure the system isn't cheated or if there's going to be any overrides for umpires that's like, no, that is a strike. Something's uh, something's fouled up. That's a strike. Yeah, and that's where they can't take the human element out of it. Baseball has got to have a human element involved in it uh, for sure. And I, I think that I hope that they can use robot umpires. Whenever you say robot umpires, that just sounds like there's going to be a robot back there, like <laughs> in the Jetsons. Yeah, the, yeah. the electronic strike zone. Yeah, so the electronic strikes. I hope that the electronic strike zone can add to the game. It, hey, if they get more offensive scores or more runs per game, maybe it'll that draw that young crowd back to baseball again. And it was uh, definitely a fire that burned inside my belly whenever I was a youth. So I, I hope um, people that that are young can learn to love and appreciate this game like we do. Thank you so much for joining us on an episode of Fantasy Frenemies on this Tuesday night. On Thursday night, we've got our coach, our pitcher extravaganza. Bobby, maybe you can join us this week. Maybe I will not pick up a Braves prospect to make you sick to your stomach this week. So uh, hopefully we can have more pitching talk on Thursday to talk about the weekend series to come. Big Memorial Day weekend series is, of course, always on iTunes. This is This is big. Please leave a comment. Like it. Like anything that you find on uh, iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at FFrenemies. On Twitter, FFrenemies is always spelled F-R-I-E-N-E-M-I-E-S. And you can uh, contact us, fantasyfrenemies at yahoo.com. You know, we talked about Ken Griffey Jr. The first person that I get a comment from, I have got these very cool Ken Griffey Jr. baseball cards. That, that They're larger size cards. I think they're Donna Rose cards. Is that how you say it, Donna Rose? They're, they're, Donna Rose. Yeah, Donruss cards. I got, I got, I got some large ones. My, my mother brought home. She, I'm, so I'm an older man, right? I'm an older man. My mother went to some wait, flea markets. She went to a flea market, and for like three weeks in a row, she came home with this big box of baseball cards. For three weeks in a row, she'd get these baseball cards at this flea market, like I was a ten year old kid. And she gave them to me, and she's like, "Here you go. I got these for you." And I was like, "Well, thanks." I haven't looked at a baseball card in years, and I was just kind of like, "Oh boy, I mean, she's she is she is she is she starting to slip a little bit?" You know, is my mom starting to kind of digress and think that I'm ten years old again? 
But then again, I, I did sit down and I opened up the box and I started looking through them like I was a 10 year old kid. Right. And, oh, and there's yeah. these, <laughs> there these big baseball cards in there with Ken Griffey on it. I was like, wow, that's cool. So uh, since we talked about Ken Griffey Jr. tonight, the first person to contact us, either leave a comment on iTunes or get us get in touch with us on at Yahoo, fantasyfrenemies at yahoo.com. I will send that card to you in the mail. How about that? That's what I will do. So thank you so much for listening. Join us again on Thursday night for an episode of Fantasy Frenemies.